And Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Merah, they could not drink the waters of Merah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Merah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statue and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the disease on which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. I want to, we're going to pray, but I want to speak to you on the subject of crossover. Not basketball crossover, but crossover. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, for your word is life. Let it leap off the pages and into our heart. I know in our minds that we may understand our ears, that we may hear a heart we may receive. Let your people see past me and at the cross, Lord. We thank you. And let us all say in the name of Jesus, amen. amen. You may be seated. You know, um, <clears throat> here is the, uh, the beginning of some things that we see with the children of Israel. Um, they had been, uh, the Lord had brought Moses, who was raised as an Egyptian, but he had the blood of a Hebrew. He grew up as a king. He grew up as a prince. He, he thought in Egyptian. He was educated by the best of the Egyptians. He, uh, he knew arithmetic and mathematics. He knew geometry. He knew culture. He knew how to uh, act like a king. He knew the proper etiquette of a king. He was highly educated that uh, no Hebrew would be as educated as Moses was. Um, he would ride in gold chariots and ate at the king's table. He would have silk clothes and uh, uh, and uh, nice shoes. Uh, everywhere he went, he had servants. I mean, he lived like a king, but yet he was a Hebrew. But then uh, he saw something happen. He, he saw an Egyptian uh, abuse a Hebrew and trying to be something that uh, was true in him. He was called to be a deliverer. And even though he was called to be a deliverer, he did it wrongly. He slew the Egyptian in, uh, in uh, his heart of righteousness, but his action of unrighteousness. How many of us here have ever done something that we thought, uh, uh, well, uh, the spirit of something was right, but the action was wrong? Right? Uh, I often tell people like this, just because somebody, someone mistreat you, you don't just go back and mistreat them. We teach our children that, right? That even though you were mistreated, you don't mistreat someone else. And here in the book of Exodus 15, we see a whole lot of things. And, and so Moses uh, runs away from Egypt after murdering uh, an Egyptian. And he goes, for 40 years, he lived like a king. Uh, some of you here might uh, be close to 40. Could you imagine living uh, as a billionaire, all right, rolling, kicking, 
all right, flying around in private jets, and now for the next 40 years, you're living in the wilderness or in the uh, uh, watching sheep. He becomes and he marries Jethro's daughter, who was a Midianite, priest of the Lord. And now for 40 years, he wasn't walking in silk robes. He wasn't riding around in gold chariots. He was walking next to stinky sheep for 40 years. All right? Uh, 40 years. Uh, and he was walking around every day. And then he had an experience with the Lord. Uh, that was supernatural. He saw a bush burning in the wilderness and the bush was on fire, but yet not consumed. And the Lord calls him into the work of ministry at 80 years old. Wow. Sometimes we want to run away from our past, but God makes us go back and deal with it. Sometimes we want to walk through things and get it over with, but God deals with it because we have been transformed. No longer does he act like a king, now he acts like a shepherd. And no longer is he arrogant and maybe prideful in his education, in his wealth, and being uh, the son of uh, one of the princes, but now he's just a humble shepherd going back. And oftentimes we see God do this often. He normally uses people that are very humble. We see that God chose uh, one of uh, some of his disciples were just fishermen. He chose another one that everybody hated uh, that was a tax collector. He, uh, and yet he's willing to use people that are humble and simple. And yet here Moses goes back and says, you know what? I, you should have called me when I had the authority because I was the prince. I could have made some law changes. But now you call me when I'm a simple shepherd and all I have is a stick in my hand and I've been watching sheep. I have no authority. I have no army. I have no uh, uh, any status anymore. And the former Pharaoh that knew me very well as a child is gone. Nobody knows me. I've been gone 40 years uh, and I'm coming back. And, and yet the Lord says, I'm going to send you. And all of a sudden there were plagues and God uses. There was uh, blood, water turning to blood. There was uh, locusts. There was uh, uh, darkness of the sky. Whole bunch of flay, hail of fire. And finally the death angel comes and kill all newborn, uh, firstborn of the Egyptians. And finally the Pharaoh says, Get out of here. And the Bible says that the Egyptians or, or the Hebrews broke Egypt bank. You know, when I say, you know, they, they were so glad to get them out of there. They said, just take all of our stuff. Take our gold, take our silver. The Bible says that they had everything they could muster and carry. And they walked out of there, a million plus people, with all of Egyptians' wealth, gold and bronze and silver and everything that they could carry, the wealth of Egypt, on their back. They were marching out, and yet the Bible says that God had hardened Pharaoh's heart. Huh. Lord, why would you do that? He hardened Pharaoh's heart, and, and Pharaoh says, you know what? I'm going to look for the best chariots and the best men, and I'm going to chase these people down, and I'm just going to slaughter them, every one of them. And finally, they come to a place, as Jer Brother Jeremiah said, at the Red Sea. And the Bible says that Moses 
held up his staff and the Red Sea parted. And there's some version of the Bible that says that the, the walls of the Red Sea came on the side and congealed. They turned to ice and held back everything, and they walked on dry land. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says that uh, with the blast of God's nostrils, the Red Sea departed, or parted. God blew his nose, and the Red Sea went like that. With the blast of his nostrils, the Red Sea parted. God sneezed, and boom, everything parted. I mean, that's how powerful God is. And here they come, and at the end of it, every one of them get on the dry land, and the Egyptians came, and as you know the story, the Red Sea just consumed them, every one of them to the bottom of the Red Sea. And yet they were looking and they were happy. They were like, yes. And Miriam uh, starts singing songs about great. Sing to the Lord how he had triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider were thrown into the sea. They were having fun and they were laughing and they were having joy. And guess what? Now they are in the wilderness for three days and they got nothing to drink. And they're all of a sudden complaining. That, that to me is amazing to me a lot of times. And people, we read stories, but we don't really relate them to us because we think that that story is in ancient times. But how many times in our life that we have seen God do things in our life, but then something along the line doesn't work and we, don't, we feel dry, we don't have anything to drink. We start asking the Lord, Lord, did you bring me here to leave me and to kill me? Or I would have rather been in Egypt, at least I had some water. They came into the wilderness three days and there was nothing to drink and they came into this place called Merah. But uh, they had, uh, Moses had to lead them into a place called Shur. You know that place called Shur? That word Shur means wall. First you got to go over the wall and then now they got to deal with Mara, which represents bitterness. How many times in our life that God had, uh, I, I look at this like a lot of people's lives. They, uh, there is greatness that God and they see the blessing of God, but then they go through a dry part of their life that they have been, they feel like they've been walled in and they walk up and there was this place they were hoping that God would deliver them, but it was bitter. You know, oftentimes that we see the blessing of God and he leads us into a place and we feel like we're walled in. And we think that God is uh, just going to leave us there. But we keep going. We say, Lord, by faith, I'm, I'm going to keep going. And all of a sudden, we think that there was relief. But that relief, it turns out that it calls bitterness in our life. Because God hasn't answered us. We think that we're going to die. It was three days and they have nothing to drink. And they're walking around in the wilderness. And everything, it, it isn't funny that suffering is relative. That in that moment of need, you forget everything that God has done. In the moment of need with the children of Israel, they forgot the plagues. They forgot that they broke Egypt bank. Okay, they roll in. They got everything. They got money in the bank. They got everything. But in that moment of need, they forgot that God had brought hail. They forgot that God had turned water uh, into a uh, blood into, yeah, water into blood. They, they forgot the locusts. They forgot uh, uh, the death angel. They forgot that God had uh, helped them and caused Passover. They forgot that they were being chased by an army of a nation. And God put a pillar of fire to stop that army until the very last person crossed the Red Sea. Even if you couldn't walk fast, 
God waited on you. Oh, I love God. He, he wasn't going to let the, uh, the enemy get you. So stop worrying that you're, you might be too slow. Stop worrying that uh, you might not be capable. God says, I'm going to put a pillar between you and the enemy that even if you're too slow, maybe you feel like you're too feeble, I'll still wait on you. And that is God. And yet... Moses leads them into a wall place. And I could imagine as a leader, I, I look at Moses and as a leader and say, Lord, uh, am I leading them right? Because I'm, I'm leading them right up to a wall. And that's what sure is. And sometimes I feel like that. That Sometimes I say, Lord, what am I doing? I'm leading these people into a wall because they keep asking, are you hitting your head against the wall? Sometimes I feel like that. And that that wall becomes a place where you think there's relief and then you come up to this place called Mara and it's a pool, but it causes bitterness. And now that bitterness, they can't drink because oftentimes you drink bitter water. It doesn't taste good. It doesn't satisfy the things of your need. And they look at this uh, uh, pool, this place called Mara becomes bitter. How many times have I dealt with Christians that God has done great things of their life in the past and because they've been walled in, and because of certain things that they've been leaving God for, um, the, the faith that was once vibrant and fresh and new and the things that God has done in their life, now they have to be confronted with bitterness. And they think that this is my lot in life. I, I hear people say, oh, maybe, maybe because of the sin of my past. Maybe because of the decisions I made. Maybe I made a left turn instead of a right turn. Maybe of this. It is nothing to do with the maybe. It has to do with uh, our own view of what God, uh, of God and how God rescues us. I often think about this is, is if you're so bad, then why would he die for you? If you're not good enough, then why would he willing climb on the rugged cross and get nailed uh, 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 with his hands and his feet and uh, them pierce his, his side? If he, we were so bad that we weren't worth it, then why would he willing to take his stripes and the, the thorn upon his head? Why would he be willing to do that, the king of glory, the one that sees uh, the beginning uh, at the end? Uh, why would he uh, die for us if we're not worth it. I often think about that. As, as when I was younger, I always thought that somewhere along the line, God was just going to drop me. Maybe that's you. I've been there. I remember going in ministry, said, Lord, you're going to drop me? Am I just going to lose this house? Am I just going to lose my marriage? Am I just going to lose this ministry? Am I, I'm just tired of it. And what happens is I noticed that uh, the, the, the faithfulness of God, the, the testimony of God, I forgot. And I began to stare at bitterness because I was so bitter that I didn't get what I needed. Oh, that hurts sometimes. It hurts because we don't understand why God led us into a wall. Lord, it's a dead end over here, man. I remember in one of my ministry trips, I get up in the morning, I sat in the bed, I was so miserable, and I had to go preach. And where I was staying, it wasn't nice. They didn't treat me too nice. And I sat there, and I was praying. I was trying to get my mind. I was going to go speak at another church. And I sat there, and it happens to me uh, uh, a few times. And I remember saying, Lord, what do you got me doing here, man? That's exactly what I said. And I said, oh, God, I, forgive me for calling you man. You the man. 
And what I realized is in that time, instead of getting bitter, instead of uh, being ugly, instead of being resentful, I began to say, God, you're still on the throne. You're still good. And God, you, are not, you didn't bring me all the way here by myself, without my family, without anybody I know, no friendly faith that just dropped me. And Mara represents bitter. And oftentimes we become bitter when we don't deal with our situation correctly. And I'm going to show you how to do that. Doesn't it make sense that the Lord tells Moses and he, Moses looks up and say, I see a tree. Why did he tell him? He says, look, he says. And he showed him in verse 25, a tree and he took it into the water. He cast it into the water. The water were made sweet. Now, of all the things he could have used, he told Moses, you see that tree over there? Throw it in the water. What? He, what about this staff, Lord? Nope. What about salt, Lord? I got some of that. No. Uh, I got a bunch of gold earrings these women carried out of Egypt. Could you throw that in there? No. I have silver. No. Can I have bronze? No. Can I just kill a lamb? No. Can I kill a goat? No. Can I kill my brother-in-law? No. Just kidding. But he looked at the tree and he took the tree and cast it in. Now here's the revelation. You ready? Here's the revelation. That tree represents prophetically the cross of Christ. See, only at the foot of the cross, because in 1 Peter chapter 2, look at what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Uh, or uh, here we go, verse 21 through 24. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Look at this. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Look at verse 24. Who himself bore our sin in his own body on the tree. What? Tree. What? Tree. So right there, even in the Old Testament, the Lord showed us how to get over our bitterness. The only way we can get over our bitterness in our life is by the cross. The only way we can get over uh, the bitterness in our life and hurt and pain is at the foot of the cross. So when I tell you that this sermon is called cross over, it means for you to cross over into your blessing, you need to go through the cross. Because of all things, why did Moses not bring them to the place called Elam first? Ah, it is a spiritual understanding and that God always have blessing for us, but there are things in our life that he wants to get out of us. And that no longer, and that the rivers of our words that come out of our mouth, because the Bible says, know ye not that you will, uh, the, from out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Uh, rivers of living water. Your, your river is supposed to be living. That most, uh, it means it's supposed to be able to sustain life and give life. But when you are bitter nobody wants you to be given them life and so God says throw that tree that tree represents the cross of God
It represents the cross of Jesus. Even in the Old Testament, he was saying, when, I, when you put that tree into bitterness, when you deal with hurts in your life, the only way you and I can get over it is get that tree, that cross into your life. Get your knees at the foot of the cross. When you're dealing with bitterness and hardship within your marriage, get yourself the tree. The tree of life is the cross. Because uh, that's when we get the, what? The fruit of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Which means uh, we can have long suffering. Which means we can have gentleness. Yeah, I know. Huh? Some wives are laughing. Yeah, I've been long suffering, pastor. <laughs> See, uh, the, right here, uh, Moses was doing something and that he didn't realize that prophetically in the New Testament was going to happen. Because when Jesus was in the Garden of Eden, uh, he was drinking from this cup. And many people said it was the cup of bitterness. Um, but he was drinking from this cup. It represents when he died upon the cross. He took all of our pain, all of our bitterness, all of our hate, and he put upon himself. And he became our punishment. So once and for all, all we have to go to do is go to the foot of the cross and kneel ourselves and say, Lord Jesus, help me. See, oftentimes we, we don't know how to make our life sweet. Sweetness doesn't come because you got self-help books. Sweetness doesn't come because you paid people thousands of dollars uh, to psychoanalyze you. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying. But only when you really are submitted, only when you really are submitted your life, only when you have the cross of Christ in your life, you can cross over. See, that cross is the bridge into Elam. That cross is the bridge into a place that will give you rest. That cross is when you walk. They had to go through bitterness, but they had to figure out how to overcome bitterness because when bitterness is overcome, then you can walk and enjoy the blessing that have 70, uh, uh, 70 palms and all these wells that they had. There were 12 wells of water. Wait a minute, Moses, why wouldn't you bring me there first? Think about it. Why would you bring me to a walled place? And then I got nothing. I'm exhausted. And you bring me into a place called bitterness. And I couldn't even enjoy it. And then it's because God is trying to teach us prophetically that when you put the cross over and then you can draw, uh, uh, you can have a refresher. But God doesn't want you to have a refresher. He wants you to live in a place of rest. See, when you go to Elam, it's a place of rest. You got 12 wells and you got palm trees. You could just lay there and you enjoy. You, you having a party. You on a resort. I like resorts. Because you don't have to do anything. They just bring you food, bring you drinks. And it's all, in, I love the inclusive ones. You don't have to worry about the bill. You don't have to, you just, one price. I can eat all I want. That's why we love cruises. Anyone want to bless us uh, with a cruise? We won't refuse. Amen. Right? Amen. Especially to the Caribbean. Right? It is Pastor Appreciation Month. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding, that's a cheap plug. Just kidding. See, oftentimes we, we see, and I, I thought, Lord, why in the world would you, would the children of Israel see all these miracles? And then they only were without water for three days, and they come to a place called bitterness. They were so angry. 
And I said, Lord, let us not be like that. Let us not be like that. That once we saw your greatness, but then our need, we tend to forget. And he says, how you deal with that. The only way you deal with that is get yourself on your hands and knees and cry out at the foot of the cross. The only way you can overcome that, the only way you can overcome bitterness in your marriage, the only way you can overcome bitterness of your past, the only way you can overcome bitterness because somebody did you wrong, the only way you can overcome divorce in your life, the bitterness of divorce, the only way you can overcome uh, disappointments of your parents or your sibling or your relative, the only way you can get overcome the disappointment of your children, the only way you can overcome the disappointment that God didn't answer you than the way you thought he should answer you, the only way you can get over disappointment is if you allow the cross to help you over that's good help you cross over Lord, help the cross, put the cross in front of me so it could build me a bridge over. Because guess what? Even if you weren't, if you didn't deal with the bitterness with the cross, you take that bitterness all the way to the place called Elam, in the place called Palms, in the place that you would have rest, in the place that you're supposed to enjoy, but you can't enjoy it because that bitterness is just eating you up. Have you ever went to a party and you met somebody and they never got over their bitterness? Right? Everything they're spewing is just, ugh. And, and you're like, you sit next to them in a wedding, you're like, ugh. Right? All this good food, you can't eat. I've been there. Right? I've sat at tables with people, and I'm thinking to myself, brother, you need to pray through. If you would just get yourself at the foot of the cross, you would allow yourself to enjoy this food and allow the rest of us to enjoy it too. Please, you're ruining it for everybody, right? It is why you got to get yourself to the cross. Moses like, Lord, I don't, it doesn't make sense. But the crazy thing, I love Moses. It, I would have said a tree, Lord. You know, can you throw some salt in it? Something, right? Honey, that would make sense, right? Bitterness, sweetness, Right? But he told them, look at that tree, put it in. It represents what the only way we can overcome bitterness in our life, the only way we can come overcome hurt in our life is at the foot of the cross. The cross helps us over to the other side. You know, there are three very significant things, and I'm going to close with these few things. I'm going to give you some revelation. You ready? There are very three specific places that Jesus was and the Bible talks about in his life. There's basically three scenes that the Lord went through. The very first scene we see Jesus by himself after he was baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. He was led by the spirit into the wilderness. That was one place. And we see the temptation he goes through. The second place we see that he deals with uh, uh, significantly is before he went on the, before he was arrested, he was in the Garden of Eden. And the Bible says that when he prayed the weight of it, his sweat were like the sweat of blood. Wow. You know, we know that, you know, through the gospel, we, we read where uh, he's, uh, he would go off by himself and pray, but we don't know what it, outside of him praying. Uh, we, we see him when he fed the 5,000. We, we see him uh, when he was there healing uh, uh, people in the synagogue and, and those things. But individually, there were three specific places that Jesus himself had to deal with on his own. 
One, it was in the wilderness. I want to tell you, the wilderness always deal with a place of personal temptation. Brothers and sisters, what is your personal temptation? And guess what? Nobody was there to help him. He was there. He was led there by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. And the Bible says that people go, oh, uh, pastor, um, God would never lead us uh, uh, into uh, being tempted. Yeah, he did to Jesus. You better read your word. The Bible says that he was led by the Spirit, capital S, which is the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. That's in Luke chapter 4, just in case you want to find it. That is the place of personal temptation. You got to deal with it. You got, you got this is a personal place of, of personal temptation. His own desire, the desire to overcome, the desire for a quick fix in his life. There are many people that want to get quick or get rich quick. There are many people who want to take shortcuts and, and forever. It, was, it reminds me of Jacob's brother Esau that because of his hunger, right, he sold his birthright as the firstborn to his younger brother. You know what? Jesus was like, I might be hungry, but I know that God has a plan for my life. You've got to deal with your personal temptation in the wilderness. The second place is the garden. The garden is a place of pressure. It is the place where you, you are under stress. He was under stress. The Bible says that he went and prayed three times. And then in the book of Luke, he also talks about that his blood uh, or his sweat were like drops of blood. It is a place where you deal with the pressure of your calling. Brothers and sisters, I don't know where you are in your life, but you better deal with the garden. You better deal with tight places. You better deal and confront with places that deal with pressure. It is pressure. Life is pressure sometimes. You know, uh, um, I wish that we could all be 12 years old and 13 and never have to worry about the mortgage, never have to worry about staying married, never have to worry about light bills and water bills and car bills and, and registrations and, 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 and school curriculum and backpacks and food and what are we going to eat tonight? I wish I never have to worry. I used to hear people say, stop trying to grow up so fast. And all I wanted to do was be an adult. And when I got to adulthood, all I wanted to do is be a child because you deal with the pressures in the garden you deal with having to confront the call of God in your life there are many of you that are having to deal with it and you don't know what to do you vacillate from one place I've done it so don't feel like you're the only one and the cross is a place where your carnality has to be destroyed brothers and sisters how's your carnal how's your flesh is it destroyed? That's why Apostle Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Christ who lives in me. See, then Galatians, he talks about that. Nevertheless, I live. I have to crucify. The cross is the place of crucifying and destroying your flesh. The sins of your flesh, the pride of your flesh, and the lust of your heart. The bitterness that's on your heart, the hate, the judgment, uh, uh, the wanting to be uh, vanity. Look at me, selfie, all this, me, myself, and I. Uh, uh, what's, what's mine is mine, and what's yours is even mine. Right? That's the place we, we have to die and have to destroy to our own fleshly things. 
See, Jesus had to deal with it. And we see it. And there's three parts to it. He's dealing with the part of your, your flesh, which is the body. There's three parts of a man. Your body. If you're taking discipleship from me, you should know this. The flesh is your body. He had to deal with it. He had to deal with the place of the soul. He had to deal with the place of the spirit. Because when he was in the Garden of Eden, he was praying to the Lord, Father. And God is a God. God is a spirit. And he that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. From your spirit is where the calling comes. From your spirit is where life begins. From your spirit is where you choose to walk in the light or not. From Your soul makes the decision, but your spirit is where God has called you. There's a hunger and a longing. I did premarital uh, 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 classes, and I tell them, I said, yes, your wife or your husband, your future wife and husband can fulfill some part of you. The part of companionship the part of what we call physical love. But there will always be a part of you that would never be fulfilled by anyone else but Christ. Never. It is because it is in that place, in the spirit, because you are the spirit. You are a spirit, and only the spirit of God can fulfill that place. That's why single ladies stop looking for a man that fulfill everything about you. It'll never happen. And brothers, stop looking at a woman to fulfill that longing in your heart. And it only can come from one person. Christ. It comes from one place. It is Jesus. See, many times we deal with so many things in our life and we forget that God has been faithful. God has been good. God has been truth. God has been righteous. And I don't know why things haven't happened like it should happen. I don't know why you are at the wall. Or even there's days I say, Lord, why you brought me into this wall? Why have you got me to this place? I feel so much pressure. Why do you've got me in a place where I feel that it's easy just to walk away? But I don't know. But what I do know is, God, I've got to deal with my hurt, with my fear, with my bitterness, with my hate, with my anger, with my distrust, with my dishonesty, with my bitterness, with my self-loathing, with my insecurity, with my depression, with my negativity with the cross. See, the problem is only with the cross we can cross over. You can only cross over with the cross. I use my life as an example a lot of times because <laughs> I'm no different than anyone. I'm not better than you. I can't do anything for you. Only Jesus only Jesus I've had failures I've had anger I've had bitterness I've I've committed hate in my heart and the Bible says if you hate your brother is like the sin of murder so I've killed a whole lot of folks because I hated them you don't have to pull the trigger you just have to hate and I've hated a whole lot of folks I don't hate them anymore 
but I have to deal with it with the cross. Let us stand. I don't know where you are today, those that are watching us. Maybe you want to cross over. Or maybe you just say, you know, Lord, there, I feel like there's nothing wrong with me. Or even if there is something wrong with me, I don't know. I just want to make sure. If that's you today, or you just say, Lord, I just want to be touched by you. Make sure that my, my life is in line. Make sure that I'm walking, that I'm cross over. I'm crossing over. That the cross is the bridge to my blessing, the bridge to my Elam, the bridge to the place where I can rest. I don't know if that's you or you're saying, Pastor, this sermon makes no sense to me. I'm okay with it. But it doesn't matter. We all need to be crossing over. We all need to have the cross in our life. Can we just come forward? Just open the altar. If we just come forward, just come as a family. You know what? Just come.